We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Dean here, NFL Pick 6 Show, week number two. We're back. We survived week one. Rich Rebar, Sharp Football Analysis, The Worksheet, John Daigle, four for four. Bet spurts. Uh, this is the show, if you guys are not aware. You should be aware at this point, but if you're not aware, this is the show where we feature three games, three main games on the main slate. We break it down from all the possible angles, and then we run it back and give our favorite players at uh, quarterback, running back, receiver, and even tight end, favorite being used loosely when it comes to tight end. Uh, in the games that we not yet talk about. We're not going to talk about the Thursday night games, Sunday night games, or Monday night games, the 12-game main slate. Batting first, leading off, John Daigle, 4 for 4. I was just reading your uh, your waiver wire column earlier. I couldn't believe some of the names that were in there. Uh, I, I, I Am I surprised because uh, that's for smaller league stuff? Some of the names are popping up. We're already giving up on Kyle Pitts. We're cutting him already in season long? That's uh, that it. is... That is more for shallow benches. That's just the drop okay. list at the top. I try to be cutthroat with the drop list because I even play in some 12-team leagues with four or five-man benches. 
uh, like Tyler Higby, for instance, I had, I had to question myself and say, do I keep him in some, some of these leagues or do I drop him and just still run one tight end back? And so I ended up dropping Tyler Higby in a couple of leagues and we'll talk about that on that show. But yeah, they're just, that's why I always promote more flexes and shorter benches because like yes. as much as I love Jalen Warren, Marvin Mims, guys like that, you need to force players, including myself to make decisions. You pick, you build your roster based on where your team is standing and how, like what you need immediately. And I love that. Reward good drafters too. Like the longer you, the guys that actually yeah. start, you know, I think you should be rewarded. And like you know, it, obviously you're making t- uh, tricky decisions when it comes to who to start, who to bench, that kind of stuff. Uh, Rich, uh, of course, I'm sure you have some thoughts as far as start sit. People probably <laughs> sliding your DMs asking start sit questions throughout the week. Your favorite's probably like Sunday, maybe around 12:30 East Coast. That's probably your favorite time when you're getting those DMs. I don't Welcome get a lot any. I don't get any lot a lot anymore because I do uh, a Sunday chat with subscribers, and it's mostly it devolves into start sits. But like, I hardly get stuff on Twitter anymore. Uh, the, those days are kind of gone. Yeah, well, they, they've all migrated to John. John's getting them. Dale, you getting those guys? I am, but I've taken the rich approach in trying not to respond. So it's going a little better now. <laughs> I got so I'm gonna derail the show just for one second. I apologize. We're gonna dive right in. But tell me if you guys had this experience before. Somebody asked me like a DFS related question, and I gave him like a really thorough answer. We kind of bounced back and forth several times, and I'm like, oh, that was a good conversation. And then they came back at me the next day, and the next day, for whatever reason, I, I just clicked their profile and I realized they're not following me. And I'm like, well, wait a second, hold on. There's a quid pro quo is all I'm saying. Like, yes. I don't need you to follow me. I don't demand you to follow me. But if you're going to keep firing questions at me at some point, uh, you guys with me or is this, this a bad take? Maybe I bad don't take. have, uh, for years, I haven't had my notifications turned on for if you don't follow me. So if you tweet me and you don't follow me, I never see it. Well, there you go. All right, John, you have the same policy? Uh, I do. I learned it from someone very close to us. And <laughs> in, ter- in terms of DMs, I work for Warren, man. Like he tweets that's... some of my shit out, like, and he tweets it to like real football fans, and like real football fans don't know how to like absorb like <laughs> stats and like stuff. Like, I mean, I don't want to say they're all Neanderthals, but like real football fans are more sensitive than any other sport. Like they are real sensitive. Tell. And, you know, uh, I've realized that first year I worked for Warren, like when he would retweet myself or promote my stuff with like fantasy stuff that were like tears and people thought they were like real football rankings. I was like, yeah, I got to turn my mentions off. You know, I can't have this in my life because I'm also some of the, I'm the type of person that has to respond when I see something. So like, yeah. I need to not see it like because or else yeah. I'm going to be like because I'll say for two seconds, like I'm not going to respond to that. And then I just think about it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to respond to that. So I need to not see it. <laughs> All right, let's dive in. Uh, going to talk week two. Just for a second, though, uh, biggest surprise. I don't know who wants to go first. Biggest surprise as far as week one, something that kind of stood out. Obviously, week one is the, you know, we're not really, we know nothing slate, right? Or we don't, we don't really know what's going to happen necessarily. Now, week two is overreaction. We'll talk about overreaction. Uh, is there a big surprise you saw, John, as far as maybe a team just flat out just flopping? Uh, some some weird uh, snap count stuff. There's a lot of that stuff out there, I think. But uh, what kind of stood out to you? Is there one main thing you want to mention? I'm sure some of it will come out organically in the show as well. Yeah, because we'll talk about the Seahawks in depth. I thought they really let us down. And I think there are nuggets as to why they were so bad. But to be that bad, like beyond letdown, was quite shocking still. And then as someone who bet on the Steelers passing game and we got the same bullshit, like just the same thing that we got the last two years as well. I think to have no hope anymore and all these Kenny Pickett shares I have is also fairly disappointing. 
Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Steelers, I know he's no longer there, but you guys happen to catch the Chase Claypool mixtape from Week One? That was that was going around. <laughs> that was spectacular. <laughs> what about yourself, Rich? Did you uh, you have a big takeaway or something that's kind of really surprised you from Week One? Maybe something just like affirmed, like yeah, this was my call, and I feel really good about it. I feel better after seeing this. Uh, I don't know. There was a lot of a lot of mixed stuff. I think that on this show, you know, for us doing week one, I think we did really well. I mean, Daigle picks out three games every week and only four NFL games went over the game total last week. And Daigle picked two of them. Two of the three were that we talked about went over the game total. So, you know, he nailed he nailed nailed the field down a little bit. We were on the right games, but it was I mean, the football was bad in week one, guys. I know that we had that four yeah. o'clock game. We had that four o'clock, you know, the, the two extravaganza that like bailed us out. But I mean, I I dropped some nuggets in the worksheet. It was it was the fewest offensive touchdowns scored in Week One since 2017, the second fewest in Week One of the past decade. It was the lowest collective league-wide yards for pass attempt for a Week One in any NFL season in the 2000s. Amazing. It was bad, man. The football Amazing. was bad. It was really bad. And the good quarterbacks, Brad. If you're in these season-long leagues and you invested in an early-round quarterback, they all let down this week. I mean, everyone I don't know. had everyone had a bad game. And I don't know if you've seen the afternoon slate, like what we're all thinking about late swapping to, but it's also ugly. We got low totals across the board kind of blocking it. So it could be a week where if you're in the green after the first slate, maybe you just stay in the green. I will say that the the Jets fans, man, I mean, I my, my heart does go out oh. to you guys. I mean, like, who knows what we would have gotten from Aaron Rodgers this year, but just like just like four plays in to like ha- have all this excitement built up about this season and just – like when Robert Sala's face in the first quarter and it was dope that like the chart, the jets came back and won or whatever, but like their season's ruined. Like, I mean, yes. uh, it just Robert Sala's face in that first quarter, man. It was just, it was just, man, it was brutal, man. That was, that's a tough way. Cause especially, you know, thinking New York, what happened the night before, like in the span of 24 hours, what happened on that football field uh, in New York, just disaster. They got to get Jameis, right? Like they got to trade for Jameis, make that happen. At least it'll be fun. I mean, this is like not one of the top gonna do cool. That doesn't happen in the NFL. Nothing cool is going to happen. <laughs> we're just going to we're just going to let him rot. It's like that. That it's going to be Wilson and like a phenomenal defense, and that's that. Brees Hall was good. Yeah. Brees Hall was I mean, fun. But like that, nothing cool ever happens in the NFL. Like, like that stuff doesn't happen, man. Like there's like a bunch. They're going to get like Joe Flacco back as like a backup. <laughs> oh, oh man. <laughs> you type in quarterback manager and then the Google. All right, uh, very first game we're going to talk about. Speaking of bad football, the football, I was watching Red Zone. I feel you guys don't watch Red Zone. You're watching one individual game of commercials. I can't imagine the disaster. Yeah, how was your YouTube uh, experience for everybody? This, I know, Dean, you did not probably have a YouTube experience, but uh, I, when is someone going to make the quad box where you can actually pick what games go in the damn quad box? Is that so hard? That seems like the easiest thing. Yeah, my understanding is it was much improved, like uh, whatever DirecTV was offering. YouTube kind of showed them up, but you're right. If you could build your own quad box, we can we can get to the moon, we can get to Mars, we can't build our own quad box. I don't know. Get those they did, people on the quad box. They did have a selection, though. You had to find it, but they did have every game in a box. Uh, they just offered every game going on in different selections. Yes. You can't pick. So it's like wild. You have to scroll through like 30 options. It's like origami <laughs> instead so- of just being able to click your game. So my biggest pushback was because I had I set up uh, multiple TVs so we can get them all in like one room, but the the, the one quad box selection they have the primetime game is on every single one. So I think it was Falcons Panthers like the Fox game. Oh, it yeah. was on every single quad box choice. Like so you couldn't like get four 
there wasn't like a clean split where it was like the eight games, four here, four there. Like you couldn't mix and match them. It was really frustrating. I will say the Sunday experience was really good. We did the show before the opening kickoff last week before Chiefs Lions. And my Thursday experience was not good. Like I felt like people were tweeting like plays like minutes before I got them. I was like, dude, I can't mm. even like be on Twitter during this game. <laughs> uh, I can't like check any box scores. I felt like I was so behind on the Thursday night game, but Sunday was a lot better. All right. Very first game. Speaking of bad football, the Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs are in Jacksonville, probably the game of the week, certainly by a, by total uh, four and a half points higher than the next total. Fifty one and a half is a total specifically Kansas City three point favorite here in Jacksonville. Uh, I guess we're expecting Kelsey back, but obviously, again, we record this on a Wednesday night, so we're not certain, but it seems more likely than not. That's what I'm seeing. At least uh, the receivers are an absolute disaster confirmed. It's a mess as far as the running backs. Um, yeah, man. Uh, Kadarius Tony is the mole. I, the rest of the receivers are bad too. I'll throw it to you, John. I don't know if we're going to figure out which receiver we want in Kansas city. Just kind of sort of hope that Kelsey is back, but this game should be fun, right? I would hope so. I, at least we think given that Kelsey, as you mentioned, was limited on Wednesday. We think we're going to get some scoring here um, because Thursday was a disaster. Patrick Mahomes is 5.8 yards per attempt. We're actually his fewest in a game since week 13 of the 2021 season. And a lot of that was because he had those drops, a lot of them from Kadarius Tony. But man, to look up and it seems like the nut run out for Sky Moore and then Moore is only targeted on 12.5% of his routes as the team's second starting wide receiver for an offense that Noah Gray led the entire team in routes run. Like, that's what the Chiefs were dealt huh. with. Not to mention Isaiah Pacheco, who was limited in that game, and Jarrett McKinnon, even then, was still exclusively played on third downs and didn't receive a single carry. Uh, for them, the Chiefs, to still only lose by one point, I was shocked. Like, as Rich said, we saw such bad football on Sunday. I think it's forgotten that even though they lost, Patrick Mahomes still looked in a world of his own. He still looked so much better than everyone else with no one to throw to. So we're hoping for Kelsey, and that's what we need here to get the push, and I think we get him. And if that's the case, then this game obviously becomes a little more fun, especially given what we saw from the Jaguars offense on Sunday. Rich, your thoughts as far as Kansas City and like outside of Kelsey, do you have a favorite running back or receiver? They're all pretty cheap is like the one nice thing you can say uh, when it comes to, you know, uh, guys like Sky Moore or MVS or Tony or Rice, even the running backs, McKinnon, like, you know, fall 4.6K. Um, but, you know, I think what do you have, 25, 30% snap counts, uh, just a couple targets, I want to say, in that game on Thursday. It was bad all around. Um is it just like we're hoping that Kelsey comes back? And what if he doesn't? Then I don't know. Throw some darts. Is that the thought process here, Rich? Yeah, I mean, Mahomes, what a demon, man. You can't sack Mahomes. That's so crazy, yeah. man. Like he did, dude, dude, you can't sack him. Like, dude, Hutchinson so was in the backfield like four or five times. It didn't even matter. Like, it, like he's and he he almost in every play that even the, even that fourth down play when they go for the fourth and 25, like there was like a shot where like that actually like almost worked. Like it almost worked out. Like it's just crazy, man. What a, what an absolute demon. But you know, it was fun. I'm glad that the Lions are, are kind of back too. I mean, they got kind of gifted that one, you know, with, with by Kadarius Tony. But hey, you can't just a dub in the books, baby. <laughs> uh, but yeah, when you talk about DFS, it's the same shit always with the Chiefs, right? Like the Chiefs are such a painful DFS team because we know like Mahomes is awesome, and like like what, who do you stack him with? Like Kelsey's always always super expensive, right? And like we don't even know if really he's gonna play. Um, but if he plays and we get there, obviously we would think like he's at least at minimum going to play in high leverage situations. 
But like this is the same stuff with Chiefs. Like they, they rotate all these guys. They've got a backfield rotation and they've got a wide receiver rotation. Like who how do you diagnose these guys uh to play? I mean, everyone, everyone but Justin Ross. They had seven wide receivers active. Everyone but Justin Ross ran double digit pass routes. Um it was kind of cool. Like Rasheed Rice looked like uh, at least the doors open for him. Like he didn't mess something up. Uh, so like maybe the doors open for him. I will <laughs> say as bad as Kadarius Tony played, and it was like one of the worst games like you probably could imagine a wide receiver playing. He was like the, he was like regularly open though. Like the other guys, like Sky Moore. There's a reason he didn't get any targets. Like the dude was never open. At least Kadarius Tony was open. But like, he didn't catch anything. But at least the guy was open. But. Uh, I mean, I don't know how you, I don't know how you sort through this, right? Like, who do you pick? Uh, who do you pick out of these guys? They're going to rotate all these guys and they play everybody. Uh, the, the only constant is Kelsey. Who had a worse game? Uh, Kadarius Tony or Deion Jackson who had 13 carries for 14 yards and two lost fumbles. Who, who should have felt worse about themselves in the locker room? Uh, Tony. Tony's was fairly mm. bad. And even so, I think he's the one people will gravitate to the most. Not that it will be impactful ownership, but I would think that everyone's under the assumption his role grows, whether that's true or not, given that he only ran 11 routes, though he was targeted on five of them. Uh, your favorite person outside of Travis Kelsey, either one of you. you know, I, I mean, you're saying who? Rich, you're the analyst. This is what I like being the host. I can just ask the <laughs> questions and move on because I have no clue. Uh, yeah, I mean, but this is like two years with this with the Chiefs. Like, th- this is why they're a frustrating DFS teams. They're going to score 30 points. <laughs> you got to try to guess who scored. Did Rasheed Rice and, and Blake Bell scored the touchdowns last week? Like, <laughs> I was I was in I was in Vegas for those the high stakes drafts. And what happened was everyone didn't get scared off Kelsey for the injury. They instead just still drafted him mid first round and then added Blake Bell for those sweet tight end premium points in the touchdown and the 20th round to just pad for the one week. Let's uh, let's jump over to the other side of this game. Jacksonville, Jacksonville, a little more straightforward. We did see what Zay Jones and uh, Ridley, uh, you know, Zay ran the most, uh, I think the most routes, or at least the most snaps uh, Christian Kirk. Uh, I guess he wasn't out there. That was the rumor. That was the thought as far as, preseason here rich uh kirk only ran what was only on the field for 60 percent of the snaps uh talk about that as far as jones kirk and ridley ridley looked awesome looked like he's been playing football didn't miss any time right for that's that suspension he had for over a year but uh i guess we just start with the jacksonville receivers and how much should we be scared away from kirk or now can we kind of lean in because we got a discount at least as far as the price yeah, I mean, there were some hints of this even to la- the, towards the end of last year's day. Jones was kind of out playing Kirk, and then they, we kind of got a, like a really big signal in the preseason that, you know, Christian Kirk was back to being kind of like almost like an exclusive slot player. And what happened in week one is that the Jaguars only played 11 personnel on 61.8% of their passing plays, which was 25th in the league. They were actually second in the NFL in rate of passing plays out of 12 personnel which kind of just kind of removed him from the field. And that's like kind of what you said. He only ran a pass route on basically two thirds of the dropbacks. He only had the one catch. Uh, His season low rate in route participation was 85% last year. So you're talking about a 20% drop. Uh, The one kind of like semi like silver lining, if you're kind of looking at it, is that in the two games they played the Chiefs a year ago, because they played in the playoffs too, uh, the Jaguars used 11 personnel on 86% of their passing plays. And that was without Calvin Ridley on the roster, right? Like that was, um, you know, rolling out, you know, Marvin Jones. So with them having a better wide receiver core, you, know, you would think that, that, that Kirk snaps are going to bounce back, but like, are you going to play him? 
Like, I mean, he's got target competition too now. It's not just like him getting on the field now. Like Calvin Ridley warrants targets. Zay Jones actually warrants the targets he gets too because he's played really well going back to last year. And then you still got Evan Ingram in the offense. And they threw actually a little bit to Travis Etienne, another one of our kind of good calls on the show last week. Travis Etienne, he got there, although he did lose a goal line carry uh, in that game. But we still got there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're getting a discount. You can play him. I think you're only playing him in like, like you know large field stuff where you're really kind of attacking this game because you still have to guess where the target goes he'd be on the field more than he was last week but is he still going to get out target you know ridley is he not going to target zay jones like you still have to do a little bit of guesswork on that end john yeah i still like kirk for leverage and obviously i understand then if you play him you're taking on the risk but at least we know that you know, Kansas City the last week against Amon Rice St. Brown, but still allowed 123 receiving yards to the slot. They allowed the fourth most catches to the slot last year. So that's why we need Kelsey, honestly, because then we can start taking on the risk and playing guessing games with the Jaguars offense because maybe it holds up for Travis Etienne, but because the team, as Rich mentioned, played such a low rate of 11 personnel, I would guess that's why Etienne ran a career high in routes 86% of Trevor Lawrence's dropbacks. I would guess that's why he had a career-high target share, 15.5%, after he failed to record a double-digit target share in only one of 12 games last year. He actually reached that number without James Robinson to close the year. And so it just seems like anomaly numbers that happened for ETN uh, and the perfect runout, which is why he was mentioned on the show last week. So I'd be willing to take on that chance for Christian Kirk and Trevor Lawrence stacks for sure if we get Kelsey for some pushback. You're making one stack. You're making one stack here, John. Uh, you're starting with Mahomes or you're starting on the other side? <clears throat> Unfortunately, I think I'm starting on the other side. So we didn't mention this at the top of the show, but it is a fun slate because last week it really came down to playing cheaper options, which is why even like Deion Jackson's 15% target share was mentioned because we were wondering at 4,500, which was 600 less on DraftKings than the next closest running back we were trying to play, Brian Robinson or Jamal Williams. We thought we may need that, to get up to Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson. Like, that was the theme of the slate. And now you look at this slate, and guess what? Those two guys who injure worlds are not on here. You can argue you could argue that the top 10 receivers on both sides are just kind of all the same guys. Uh, they're in the same tier of their own. So we're not really tr – we're trying to get up there, but it's not necessary in this one since we don't have those players. And if that's the case, then I think I am starting with Trevor Lawrence and looking at Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk double stacks with Kelsey, or I guess if you want to play Tony and take it on as a run back. Yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, if not Kelsey, then who would be your favorite run back? Favorite, you know, loosely termed, obviously. We don't really love any of the nonsense going on there in Kansas City. I, are people just going to make stacks this game, though, just because it's the highest game? It's Kansas City, it's Jacksonville. And yes. It's super obvious. And I it's think cheap. so. That's why we had to talk about it, yeah. <laughs> I, had to, yeah. I had to give in to the people because I know they're going to play it. Are the Chiefs on the main slate? <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that, that's the answer um yeah, always, yeah. But i mean they, i i mean listen the amount of times i get the chiefs right like i said like they're it's hard to stack them if you're not just stacking kelsey because they like all these randos play so same question rich you're starting with lawrence over mahomes what about a mahomes naked like or i guess you're, you want to get mahomes and kelsey but that's just really tough to make work salary wise you can do it It always is yeah that's the tough thing is that you know kelsey takes up so much capital i guess this would be a slate if he plays though like daigle does make a good point when you look at the wide receiver landscape 
Uh, you know, the Dolphins aren't on the main slate. The Eagles aren't on the main slate. Justin Jefferson's not on the main slate. So it does clear out a huge chunk of like the where we would want to spend up that wide receiver. So maybe if Kelsey's there, it's not the the worst thing. I think that's why Amon Ross stands out so much. We'll probably so when we talk about him, but we're removing a large chunk of like the apex predators uh, at the position. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how many people go back to the Bengals, right? Like because Chase kind of stands out too. Um, left a sour. I got real cute with Chase last week. It didn't work out. Uh, but uh, see how many people go back to that because it is it's gutted at the top of the wide receiver position this week. Yeah, Burrow looked pretty rough, pretty rusty. Maybe he's dealing with something. And what was uh Higgins had eight targets and zero catches, I believe. Uh, I mean, they were they were definitely targets with, with quotations. <laughs> there was a lot of prayer yards uh, on the T Higgins uh, slate if you watch his targets. You got to give it to somebody. Somebody's I don't know who to pick. I guess we'll pick Higgins. I guess that's the closest guy. And he just kept getting those targets. Hey, do you want to shout out those hanging out in chat? What's up, Chet? Uh, hit that like button, subscribe, turn on those notifications. We uh, we have a lot they're of people all, watching us on the replay. Oh, go they're ahead. They're bum. They're bombarding the chat now since we, because we're so bad at our jobs, forgot to send out the tweet. Uh, but you just did, Dean. So I, yeah, I sent it out. out. Let people know. I believe oh, I had yeah. to as well. And since I believe you follow me, you did get the message. Yes, <laughs> I, I beat the threshold. So you're, you are aware that that, that tweet is out. It's usually people, my so. job, but uh, I forgot. So I'm sorry. Hey, I distracted you talking about movies pre-show. We're going to talk movies sure. later on the show. Uh, at, at the end, when we're done with all the football and you guys want to hang out with us by all means. But uh, I I did not have a great week last week. I won some cash games and I won our four-man. And that, that's the best. When you're excited about winning the four-man, is like the best thing you're excited about. It was not a good week for your boy. But, hey, we're going to bounce back. We're going to bounce back week two, hopefully. I like. Oh, let's move on. Oh, go ahead. With, with this one, I like Christian Kirk. I think I like Christian Kirk more than Rich. I'm willing to put my name on it. Um, I think he's a good play this week. Um, your favorite play for this game, Rich? Like, feel free to be as ambitious as you want to be. I mean, I, I think I, I'm fine going back to Travis Etienne, man. I, I think Travis Etienne's a really good player. Like, he's really good at football. And, like, it kind of gets, like, lost a little bit because sometimes, you know, I do this all the time, too, because, you know, I'm looking at these stats and I'm looking at the usage and stuff. And like, sometimes you just realize like guys are good at the game and like Travis Etienne's a guy who's good at the game. Like, so like, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what kind of shakes up. I feel like people are still scared to play him. And he, he's always in like that purgatory pricing too, where people are just like, well, I'll pay up or I'll go down a tier and go cheaper. But I still like Travis Etienne in this game too. Trevor Lawrence wasn't that great in those games to get the Chiefs. Uh, 5.9 yards per attempt with only three touchdowns. So maybe that is a response to slow this game down like the Lions did. But remember, Doug was a coward, man. If you remember this game, yes. when they played when they played in the regular season, they led the game with an opening onside kick. They, uh, they got the onside kick and then punted in Chiefs territory. Oh, no. <laughs> From the 40, I think it was. Yeah. It was an it absolute so conflict angry. of interest. Like, <laughs> what was happening? When I have no rooting interest for a game and I see a coach punt like in the other team's 40, I immediately start rooting for the other team. Like it's just, it's, it's just, it, for no reason should I be upset, but just like, how do you have that position? And you know so much more about football than I do. But like this little thing it happened yeah. on, thir- on Thursday night. Uh, Dan Campbell ran, runs a fake yes. punt on like his own 17. And then later in the game, like punts from like the Chiefs 40. And you're like, what is happening? <laughs> but, but scoreboard, it worked out, right? It did work. It did work out. Uh, you said the count on Kadarius Tony handing the ball off to your safety. <laughs> I love the picture of the ball. Like, how does this end up as a big six? It's like right in his hands. It's just incredible. 
So Seattle takes on Detroit. Uh, this is a rematch of a game last year that I believe scored 93 points. Mm-hmm. It was 48-43. Uh, uh, it won some people. A lot of money if you stack that game up for sure. One of the more appealing games of the board. 47 as far as the total Detroit in the Dome at home. They're five-point favorites here, Rich. Seattle was uh, – they were bad. They were bad last week. Um, oh, geez, what was the number? They, they had, like, so few plays. 52 on the – the entire game you probably have it, I guess just yeah, it they, they, they ran 14 plays in the second half it was the fewest in a week one game since 2008 the fewest in any wow. game since 2019 they gained 12 yards in the second <laughs> half and mind you the last play of the game was just a handoff that got that got them nine yards with the clock <laughs> right uh, just for fun for the, for the, spread. the fewest yards in the second half of any game since the 2000 and since 2008 when the bears had two yards in the second half of the game uh, absolutely miserable. And it wasn't just the offense, because I know everyone was ta- wants to talk about the offense, that they didn't do anything in the second half, and both their offensive tackles got hurt. But, dude, the Seahawks' defense, what this because this was a problem for them last year, their middle-of-the-field defense, like, they could not get off the field. And Matthew Stafford was in his bag. Matthew Stafford played a hell of a game. But, dude, awesome. they were just eating in the middle of the field that game. Like, it was the same thing the Seahawks did last year. We talked about, we brought up Van Jefferson last week on the show, and we said, I didn't play no outside receivers against the Seahawks. Well, unfortunately, that didn't lead us to play the interior wide receiver that had 15 targets, uh, you know, because uh, I wish I was on Sapuka Nakua, a guy who I like. But we talked about the middle of the field defense for the Seahawks on the show last week and still didn't get there. But, dude, they got absolutely crushed. It was an all-around just bad effort for the Seahawks. And we did talk about last week, too, that the Rams gave the Seahawks two hell games last year with Baker starting. So to have, the, you know, Stafford kind of come back and them still play really well, I don't, I, it wasn't like super surprising. But the way the Seahawks lost, I think, was disappointing. And it wasn't just the middle of the field. That's the issue. It was the middle, but then also it was the boundary. Uh, they still allowed the second most catches to wide receivers on the outside. Puka put some film on Tariq Woolen. Like, he's shut him down a couple times and just ran right past him. And he left two touchdowns on the table because Matthew Stafford overthrew him. It was it was just, again, we talked about disappointment at the top. It was definitely the most disappointing and shocking thing, I believe, happened in week one. One of the things, I don't know if we talked about it on this show, but on the uh, on the Roto-Grinders show, 9.30 in the morning on Sundays, we talked about, uh, and like you kind of alluded to this thought process, John, and it's a very interesting thing to do when your teams aren't doing great, kind of one way to catch up. Mims was late, Reed was late, and also Puka was late, and Tutu was late. All those guys were 3K, and if you're yep. trying to play catch-up, mm-hmm. uh, just I didn't know which Ram to get. didn't matter. They both got there. They both they both well exceeded Reed uh, and Mims, and I guess we can we, talk about Mims at some point. We got Kendrick Bourne late, too, um, and he actually seemed like a good play on DraftKings for Eagles runbacks just because of how the slate worked out. Yeah, yeah, all the pivots off of the Mims and Reed, who I think were the two most popular. But yeah, you're right. Bourne, who was the number one there in New England, and uh, for the Rams. And put the, you know, we're going to talk about the Rams in a second. That, that, that's our third game. Uh, spoiler alert: Rams versus San Fran. Pretty tough defense there. But Seattle versus Detroit. Um, like, do we just sort of like forgive them here, Rich? And just assume they're going to be fine going forward. I know a lot of people going into the season thought Seattle their offense would improve. Right, uh, one-two punch as far as running back with Walker and Charbonnet. Uh, you know, now they have three receivers. It's gonna be tricky to figure out which one it's gonna be, but like now they have Metcalf Lockett and JSN. Um, but it just was an outright disaster. Uh, do we assume it's gonna be fine here in Detroit? Uh, looks like a potential shootout. 
Um, or would you? Is there is there problems lurking? Is there offensive line problems on Seattle? I feel like there might yep. be. Both tackles okay. aren't going to play. Uh, Abraham Lucas was already put on IR. It looks like Charles Cross also isn't going to play. And, and in the first half of the game on Sunday, Gino was still pressured on forty two percent of his dropbacks. Like he only averaged five point two air yards per throw in the first half. And then all, all hell broke loose when both those tackles came out of the game. He was pressured on half of his dropbacks. Uh, they just brought in 41-year-old Jason Peters. I don't know if he's really going to play this weekend or not, but it, it's bad. Uh, and, and it wasn't just Aaron Donald. Like, it was everyone was in the backfield uh, in that game. And I think when you go back to the last half of last year with the Seahawks, too, remember they went 3-6 and six to end last year. Um, this is kind of ongoing. Like, in Geno Smith is a great – as great of a story as he is and was last year – like we still have a pretty large sample of Geno Smith not being the greatest football player. And it wasn't all his fault last week, but like if Geno Smith was just mediocre this year, like would really anyone be surprised? Like, would it be that much of a surprise? Um, so I have some concerns because this is like a, this is going back to like the back half of last year too, where like the Seattle offense wasn't great. Uh, and then they opened the year really kind of flatlining as well. Now there are some like it, one game sample stuff, but I also think that the Lions defense is better and, and, and the Chiefs gifted them some opportunities last week. But I think the additions that the Lions made defensively impacted week one. Like they, the middle, Their middle of the field defense was a lot better than it was last year. They were better against the run than they were last year. And that was a defense that improved. Um, granted, do they probably win that? Do the Chiefs win that game if Kelsey plays? Probably, but I do think the Lions' defense is trending in the right di- direction, um, and they can maybe give some issues here too. Because I think they're going to get pressure as well. They got pressure on Mahomes. It's just, you couldn't you couldn't sack Mahomes uh, if they get as much pressure as they do in this game. Like it because that was a big problem for Geno last week, uh, and I think the Lions can get home in this game. They got, had the seventh highest pressure rate of week one, the Lions did against Patrick Mahomes. And yeah, to that point, I mean, they added first round linebacker and Jack Campbell, a sideline to sideline coverage guy who started that game for them. Um, they gave Alex Anzalone, who led them in tackles, nine million guaranteed in free agency, signed Chauncey Gardner Johnson to start at safety for six and a half million, 24 million guaranteed to two coverage corners. And then Brian Branch, who had first round grades and slipped to day two, he's the one who had the 50 yard pick six. Like they had players, and that's why they got pressure. Like it just was the ensuing results of what they sunk into free agency, which wasn't the same for the Bears. Odd how that works out. But yeah, that's why I worry a little bit about the Seahawks offense this week. Both, it sounds like you guys are both a little bit, uh, you know, bearish on Seattle. Walker is looking like on a Wednesday night to be like one of the more popular cash game running backs. Uh, it's rough, man. We do. We haven't yeah. talked about running backs, but this running back slate is operating. Yeah, it, it is tough, but the price is pretty good on Walker at five eight on DK, six seven on Fanduel. Uh, it looks like it's his backfield, although it's pretty annoying that uh, you know DJ Dallas took like what twenty percent of the snaps or so, something like that, but. Uh, uh, yeah, Walker is going to be popular. Is he like, and who knows? Who knows how it's going to settle? But in theory, uh, Rich, if he's one of the more popular running backs, is he good chalk or bad chalk for tournaments? Um, for tournaments, he's probably bad chalk. I think he's fine for largely cash. I mean, he's also like ETN. He had uh, kind of a surprising number of, of receptions, and that kind of goes to the pressure, right? It was like, dude, I can't get the all downfield. I'd go throw it to the first dude I can. So he he checked down because Walker had 20% of the team targets. It was the second highest rate in a game for his career. That uh, game in Greece last year was the only other one he was targeted higher. Um, But he looked good. Walker looked real good the first half. Because remember, he was looking like he was going to be a popular play last week. And then we got the late week 
kind of injury news. Like he had a groin injury and then everyone kind of like came off of him. But in the first half, he looked awesome. He was breaking tackles. Um, and then the offense was just drawing dead in the second half of that game. So I think, I think he looked fine. Um, I think we'll see the Detroit running backs be pretty popular though in this slate where they're both priced. David Montgomery is really cheap. And then people are going to look for the, the Gibbs run out, right? Like Gibbs is going to be a guy that's going to be played till he hits. Like people are going to chase that because he looked, he looked incredible on the touches he got. Dan Campbell came out and said it was by design that he really didn't play a lot. And that makes sense on the road in Arrowhead week one. We trust David Montgomery in these, in these situations, the pass protect, we trust him to bleed out the clock. Um, so Gibbs gets a little more this week. The only question we have with Gibbs is, is he going to get those money touches, right? Uh, they didn't yeah. really throw to their running backs last week. And then it was still Montgomery. Although Gibbs did have a carry inside the 10 that he probably scores on if he doesn't slip. But I think people are going to are gonna play Gibbs for sure. I think people are going to get to Gibbs in tournaments. Montgomery is cheaper. He's going to have a bigger projection. That's an interesting pivot for sure. Gibbs is sexier, but then people also freak out as far as week one. Hey, uh, John, you mentioned you were in Vegas. You drafted after Detroit played, right? I think you did. Yes, uh, I had three drafts after, after the Thursday night game. Where did Gibbs go? Because I believe he was going around like 30, 35 overall, give or take, right? It was, the talk, it was it was the talk all night of where to land players, and the three big question marks that landed were Jameer Gibbs around the end of third still because you're betting long term, so we didn't care about eating the eight points and benching him week one. Uh, Cooper Cup seventh, <laughs> and uh, Jonathan Taylor, who I took eighth round. Yeah, that Taylor could work out. For sure. is that what that's what I feel better about? I feel better about that than the cup thing. I don't know. Maybe I, I feel like it cup could might go. Be like a it could go either thing. way. Uh, what I what I did with two teams was start four wide receivers and then like an anchor running back or tight end premium, and then tried. To, I was padding to get Cooper Cup. Like I was building my team trying to protect Cooper Cup, who I just view and I don't. I don't know the situation. It's probably not good, but like. Yeah. When Cooper Cup gets down to being drafted, well, the thesis I was using was when he's drafted next to Jacoby Myers, it doesn't matter. And then Jacoby Myers, of course, was like one of the best receivers. <laughs> he looked great. But, uh, but so like when Cooper Cup is drafted in that range of players, like Cooper Cup was, you should just treat him like Will Fuller when, if he's not out there, whatever. And if he's out there, he beats everyone. So that's just, I kind of, I started padding my teams to have Cup in all of them. John, what do you have on the Lions? Because, like, Amonra is spectacular. He's awesome. And I don't know if Seattle's going to slow him down or not. Uh, his, the receivers behind him are so, so dreadful. Uh, you know, Marvin Jones, uh, Raymond, and Reynolds. That's why I thought they would throw the ball to, to Gibbs. I figured they'd be, like, you know, creative with that. Have two running backs out there. And I guess they didn't do that. But uh, we'll see if it changes going forward. And uh, theoretically, we're going to have more plays uh, run for Gibbs going forward as well. But yeah, your read as far as Detroit, I assume it's really, really obvious. The first spot is Amon Ra and then Montgomery and Gibbs. Yes. Yes. Amon Ra is just inevitable. Uh, go back to when they traded TG Hawkinson and over the second half of the season, Amon Ra averaged a 28.7% target share. And this game he comes out, averages a 28.1% target share, finally falls inside the end zone as well for a touchdown. And that was in a game script that really didn't have him soaking up all these targets. Rich also hinted at earlier about 
this receiver slate not having many top-heavy options. And so whether it's floor or ceiling, depending how you view the game script here, like Amon Ra just stands head and shoulders naturally above all the others. He was also one of only nine players to run around on every single drop back in week one. So he's just permanently out there. What I'm worried about happening, depending what ownership moves to by Saturday, is that I've already seen the Jared Goff home splits being spat out and regurgitated online. And so maybe people catch on and maybe naturally then like golf, Amon Ross St. Brown get played together, whatever the case. Uh, but I, I recall like Rich and I, we debunked this towards the end of the season last year and it wasn't home splits. It really just came down to schedule. And that's been Jared Goff's entire career last season against top 16 DVOA defenses. So League, a- league average or above average, Jared Goff averaged 14 fantasy points per game, completed 63.5% of his passes. Against lower-level defenses, so bottom 16, below average, he averaged 18.5 fantasy points per game and completed 67% of his passes. Just worlds apart um, in terms of scoring. Also, four top-five performances, so a ceiling player as well against those below-average defenses. So we have to ask ourselves, like, what do we consider Seattle? Do we still think they get eaten up in the middle since that's where Amon Ra obviously is permanently. And if that's the case, then do we think Jared Goff reaches a ceiling at all? Do we think Seattle can push back here given their offensive line woes? What's the record for most receptions in a game? I think it's a, <laughs> Ross gonna, you think we're getting it this way? 20, right? Is it, is it 20? Is it 20? Is that, uh, Brandon is Marshall? It tw- is it 20 or 21? It's like right there. I was Brandon Marshall, right? It was Keo first and then because uh, Keo did it on Jerry Wright's day, which is like the fun story about that day. And then Brandon Marshall broke it, right? Uh, Brandon Marshall with, broke with it. Yeah. It was 25 targets, right? Against the Colts, I believe, is who it was yeah. against. From Jay December Cullen. 13th, 2009, against the Colts, Brandon Marshall. Shout out to you guys. Shout out to UCF, Brandon Marshall. Um, yeah, I'm not saying he's going to break it. Like we, we're, we're supposed to spit out like a bold call at some point, but uh, I mean, that'd be a little. It's possible. I mean, so so Matthew Stafford on Sunday was 16 of 22 for 172 yards between the numbers. Uh, these teams played in Week Four last year. Goff was 15 of 20 for 233 yards between the numbers, 12 yards per pass attempt. Amon Ross St. Brown didn't play in that game. Yeah, he threw for 378 yards and four touchdowns. Amon <laughs> Ross St. Brown didn't play. In that game, who had the big day? Reynolds or Hawkinson? Uh, like... Hawkinson went nuts. Do you remember that? Reynolds had a good game, but Hawkinson went crazy. That was the Hawkinson forty burger, the seventy yard touchdown game when I faded him. Is that the yeah. is that the one? <laughs> oh, how does we, we always remember our beats? Yeah, <laughs> he was super chalky. Try to talk yourself out of TJ Hawkinson chalk because like when does that ever work? Uh, it worked that day. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I mean, Amon Ra looks so, so good. And to your point, you were talking about before as far as the rest of the receivers in this slate. Amon Ra is 7-8 on DK. Spend $100 more, you get Chase. And Chase looked terrible last week, right? The whole team. Uh, the stench of Cincinnati doesn't mean they can't bounce back. Uh, Diggs is 8K. Below him, Lamb versus the Jets. You know, Lamb and Wilson both, you know, uh, what, 38 total in that game? You Poor Garrett uh, Wilson, man. Just, it's, Pour yeah. It, it's good. I think, I think it, it's him and Drake I mean, London, like they're just in Siberia again. Oh my God, Drake London! Did he have a? Did he? Was he over this week? Was he? I think he was over. He had a catch. Yeah, he he had, he had, he had five targets. Drake London had one. Oh my <laughs> God! 
It's so bad. It's so bad in Atlanta. The whole Atlanta and, offense is just what a mess for fantasy. And, and Kyle, and Pitt, Will, Kyle Pitts had 82% of the Falcons air yards, but was 65th in air yards in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> that is perfect. a spectacular set. It's perfect. Um, is there anything besides Amon Ra? Like, do you have a sneaky one? Like, I think Marvin's is he toast? Is he done? Uh, Marvin Jones, uh, well, Reynolds. Jo- Josh Reynolds was the guy last week, and he played inside and out, like where Marv was kind of more exclusively uh, outside. So, I mean, if you are going to chase, like Josh Reynolds did move around a little bit. Um, I think you can play some of the Seattle wide receivers. Uh, you know, it's just that you, you need, you know, the line to hold up a little bit. I mean, we were on, we were, you know, me and Dag- I know Daigle was with me on like being high on DK Metcalf. And that first half, it looked like we were about to, about to get it, man. And, it just everything fell apart in that second half. Is he your hey. favorite receiver amongst those three? Lockett, uh, JSN, Metcalf? Yeah, I think Once when you look at his usage going back to last year, like he's been the lead target. And the way they transformed using him last year was similar. We saw it in the first half of week one. It just died in the second half. John, jump in here. You were going to say? They also schemed a couple screens to Josh Reynolds, too. He wasn't just like running routes downfield. They were trying to get him involved. Um, I mean, he he led the team in receiving yards. That's pretty impressive, too. With the Laporte is playable Brown. in this game, too. Yeah. That's who I was going to ask about. I think Laporte is probably the next best option. Uh, I think I played him before. I played Marvin Jones, Reynolds, Raymond. I don't know who Antoine Green is. Is he somebody that gets run? No. I just see him in the depth chart. Okay. <laughs> he wears a uniform. All right. Good for him. Uh, but, yeah, sell me on Laporta. Outside is, like, always a tight end and tight end stink. Do you want it, Dago? Go for it. <laughs> That's for the board. I mean, listen, I mean, he, he was just what he was just a share, share under twenty percent team target share. Uh, he was eleventh in tight ends uh, in route in uh, yards per route run the week one. So I mean, there's opportunity. We know he's got big uh, yak ability, and then again, middle of the field stuff. Seattle, right? Like, it, we you know that's why people some people got to Tyler Higby last last week was because of the Seattle tight end stuff. It just turned out was all wide receiver stuff. But uh, they still did allow 14 yards per target to the tight end targets in that game as well. Uh, 70, 70 yards on the to the Rams tight ends because Bryson Hopkins had a long catch in there too. So there's opportunity, I think, for Laporta at his price tag. John, final thought as far as this game? Just another one that it's a litmus test. I'm not sure. I don't know how I'll play it just yet, although we all love ARSB. Yeah, that's the only thing I'm afraid of is the ownership stuff. And I'm generally not somebody that's afraid of like a ton of ownership, but it just it just makes sense that it's so much is going to gravitate to him this week. Um, seems very likely he'll be in your cash lineups. Probably, you know, the, the one ca- oh, one, yeah. one big ca- cash spend up as far as receiver that, you know, Wednesday night, I don't like to speak too confidently about that or definitively. But yeah, yeah that's certainly I think seems, you're safe here. I think you're safe on this one. Yeah, yeah. It seems like a really uh, likely scenario. Uh, anything else, Rich, as far as this game, or shall we move on to no, game number three? No, no. Hopefully, we hope it's fun. We, I'm rooting for Gino. I want it to be. I want it to be just a one a one off. I want it back. I know all the analytics guys, all, all the smart guys, are saying that uh, what supposedly he was the most accurate quarterback last year. I don't know how that's defined necessarily, but um, you're saying it's it's possible that that could have been kind of sort of somewhat fluky. And maybe the well, game was like, I mean, it was like manu- 25 games. It's manufactured, right? Like completion percentage, like some of it's manufactured. Like Gino wasn't a guy that really threw the ball downfield a ton. Uh, he was good when he did go downfield, but you know, he, he, you know, shallow. It, especially as the season went on, the back half of this year for the Seahawks. That's what gives me the most worry with this 
is that they weren't that good offensively. And Geno particularly wasn't that strong the back half last year and it's bled over. And we got a 30 year old quarterback. They're like until last year, the, you know, Geno Smith wasn't exactly a dude we were going to bat for. Which is why they were initially mocked a quarterback at sixth overall. Um, and did nothing but give Drew Locke a double-digit million again to bring him back. So, And again, it's not all his fault. I don't want anyone here to say, like, yeah. you know, Gino is back to being a pumpkin. I don't necessarily believe that's the case either. It's just – it's tough, man. There's a lot There's it's, a lot that went into that class. Probably somewhere in the middle. There's some wiggle room in the middle. It, it entails middle. taking on a lot of risk in this game, and I'm, I'm definitely not afraid of that, but – no. Do I have do I have the reason to? And I'm not sure I do. Just yeah, yet. I mean it's a pretty good quarterback slate for us. As bad as the wide receiver slate is, like the quarterbacks on this slate are really good. So like, how does Gino like crack that outside of just taking some game stack darts? Like he's probably not going to be a core quarterback in my in my player pool. Yeah, I have a hard time seeing all the the good quarterbacks flopping again. You know, we saw it last week. Uh, Lamar was terrible stats wise. Hertz was was bad. Um, yeah, Mahomes was on the main slate, but wasn't special. Not, not really his fault necessarily. Same deal with Allen. Allen looked pretty bad facing a tough Jets team. But all right, let's talk about game number three. Sam Fran, Sam Fran in L.A. Uh, West Coast game, Battle of California. 45 is the total. Uh, we have a, what, an eight-point favorite here in San Francisco. John, I'll let you start this one off. Dealer's choice. You want to go Rams or Niners? Both of you guys were uh, excited to get off your Rams. Uh, stats, lots of Rams stats from last week. Now they're facing <laughs> a real live defense. How's that going to work out? Listen, uh, in a questionable week of football, we had vintage Matthew Stafford and Mike McDaniel. That's why my morale is so high, solely because <laughs> of those two players. Um, I'll start with the Niners because Kyle Shanahan and these matchups, they played five times, including the playoffs, the last two years. And Shanahan has put at least 20 points on the board in all five games. Uh, Brock Purdy last week just did his thing as the game manager. QB9 in fantasy points on the week. Yet again, top 10 in completion rate under pressure. He finished 11th in completion rate under pressure last year. And the Niners were one of only four offenses in the entire league to have 20% of their pass plays gain at least 15 yards. Just an explosive machine against the defense and the Steelers that we think is significantly tougher than the Rams, and they still, Pittsburgh, got run out of the stadium. Um, the Rams' O-line is probably as bad as we thought. Probably. Even though Stafford didn't take a single sack or hit in that game in week one. We didn't mention that either. Uh, but if we don't get enough push here, there are still individual players we're probably still targeting. So I thought this game, which overall was just very important to talk about because given cheap salaries, whether it be – you know, even Brock Purdy, I know it sounds crazy on this quarterback slate, but like if you want to double stack Brock Purdy, if you think we get some run from the Rams, I don't hate it. I don't hate, I don't hate paying down for him to get up to everyone else. Uh, and then like the fact that Debo and Ayuk are pretty cheap relative to other wide receivers too, given their roles. And of course, Puka the God, there's a lot to talk about here. Rich, uh, feel free to jump in there as far as San Fran. Yeah, I, I saw the same thing. Debo. Uh, at five, what five eight is that five eight or five six? Five six, five six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that just seems too cheap. And also, like Iowa coming off a spectacular game, only what five eight. You can pair him with CMC, and one of those are two receivers. However, you want to do it, but um, I don't really want to play Purdy, but I like his pairings if that makes sense. Uh, and CMC got a ton of run this week too, probably more than most people expected. A little less there for Elijah Mitchell. It is a lot of long season. Maybe they push back a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Rich, what do you have as far as Sam Fran? And I guess you need the the Rams. You need the Rams to punch back to keep this close. Yeah, we do. I don't. We might not even need to, man. I mean, it, Purdy's eight full games as a starter. 
Uh, the 49ers have averaged 32.3 points per game. They've scored 30 or more points in six of those eight games. Like, wow. I mean, they're scoring a lot of points. I told like Ray last week, like I was going to, you know, because Purdy, had, we had the small sample. And I said, if he goes into Pittsburgh and they score 30 again, like he's just going to be a QB one for me. And it happened. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to push back on the Purdy stuff like any longer. Like he, he's, he's, the, he's just the perfect guy he's for good, this man. offense, right? Yeah. Like he's just the perfect guy for something. He doesn't even have to be like a guy you generally believe is like an immense talent, but like, for the structure of this offense, he does exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants the quarterback to do. Um, and he did make a couple plays. Like, you know, I gave Daigle, uh, you know, some joke about Garoppolo, like being a good scrambling EPA quarterback last week. But he he, he, he makes enough plays out of structure, too. He just makes enough. Uh, and, and that's something this 49ers like team has been lacking. It's what led them to take a shot on a guy like Trey Lance, right? Because the system has never had a guy that can make plays really consistently out of structure. And last week he made he made a couple plays out of structure that were really good. But I'm just not going to fight back the Purdy thing anymore. They're scoring too many points. How many times does a team have to score 30 points in a row before we're like, yeah, we should start playing some of these guys, right? Like, I'm in, man. I'm in. I just needed to just one more week of it. I will say it's, it sounds like everyone's getting on the Debo train, and it's a it's a bummer. I thought maybe he might go overlooked. And I don't even need like the the Rams stuff because everyone's gonna bring up like his box score history against the Rams. I still think Debo is a large reason why Puka's even on the the Rams in general. Um, but <laughs> I mean, you look at you look at Debo because he's tormented Sean McVay for years. Uh, but it makes sense why he's so good against the Rams. Uh, the Rams uh, that you know uh, they were their thirty second, thirtieth in man coverage rate the past two years. In week one, they were twenty sixth in man coverage rate. They played man coverage just ten point nine percent of the time. Uh, and Debo, for you know his career, he's just been a guy that's eviscerated zone. Like Shanahan gets him schemed up and like all these zone zone looks. Uh, he was targeted on twenty six percent of his routes against zone coverage on Sunday. Twenty seven percent target rate against zone coverage for his career. Uh, he gets targeted on just 20% of his routes against man coverage. Like there's a reason why he fits like against this structure uh, of defense and why he's completely smoked them. Uh, and then why Brandon, Ayuk had the big game last week. I think it's going to oscillate back and it's not that I, can't get there either. I think there's enough for both of these guys, but I do think there's a big signal that like, this is a Debo game, even outside of just like the box score hunting, like Debo versus the Rams. There's a reason why it keeps happening against them. And it's because of defensive structure. The short-term view also is why I was on Debo Samuel, short and long-term in Debo owning McFay, because last week it really seemed like the Niners' game plan was just to look up and see where Patrick Peterson was located and throw the ball at him. Like, he faced the most targets of any defender on the Steelers in their secondary, and Brandon Ayuk happened to be on him for both of his touchdowns. But Debo Samuel wasn't covered by Peterson one time. Thus, I think that's why, even though he ran a route on every drop back, ran more routes than Brandon Ayuk was out there literally for every single offensive snap, Debo obviously fell behind in target share because he wasn't part of that matchup. So it does just seem like it will come back. The yo-yo will reel back to him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. John, what do you have as far as the Rams? I know you guys touched on the passing game with Tutu and Puka, but we have to also acknowledge the running game. And uh, this, this was pretty surprising. I remember... Was it last year uh, Schefter put out a tweet like in the middle of the night and said, hey, the, the Rams really like this Williams guy. And he got like hurt like in the very first play of the season on special teams, I want to say. And it's like, OK, whatever. Uh, th- th- thanks, Schefter. And now he's healthy. And he was like he dominated the carries. He dominated the snaps over Cam Akers. Um, obviously, the receivers are something we're talking about. They did get a price hike. It's interesting that Van Jefferson's not the cheapest amongst the three on DK. <laughs> Life comes at you fast. He's 4-3. Puka is 4-9. Atwell is 4-7. There's Higby as well, also in the four, so you can get some cheap Rams pieces. John, uh, are you buying Williams as the RB1 going forward for the Rams? Uh, is this something we don't even mess with against Sam Fran? We'll kind of check back next week. Uh, 18 total, give or take, for the Rams. Are you uh, bearish as far as the Rams, you know, uh, momentum? Are they, they going to do all right here against Sam Fran this week? I am buying Kyron Williams, surprisingly, especially in this slate where he's 5K on DraftKings, and that's where we would want to play him anyways, especially if we're trying to get up to some of these mid-tier wide receivers that are going overlooked and the higher-priced quarterbacks with our stacks. It just makes a lot of sense to play Kyron Williams in any run back since he's the one who doesn't go away. Like, he out-touched. So, a lot of negative game scripts and blowouts happened in week one. As we talked about at the beginning of the show, Rich mentioned it all. There was bad football in week one. And so everything was skewed. Bosses were upset. The waiver wire wasn't out by noon. But, like, there was so much that happened. It was impossible to, like, facilitate it all within 12 hours. I couldn't, my brain could not wrap around it. But one of those teams were the Rams because Kyrie Moons outtouched Cam Akers 14 to 11 until the Rams took that 24-13 lead in the fourth quarter. And from that point forward, the last nine minutes of the game, Cam Akers outcarried Kyron Williams 11-1. to Now, the thing is, Cam Akers, as we all saw, had 20 yards on 22 carries. Sometimes it's that simple. We can just say that and move on. At the same time, though, Kyron Williams ran 30 routes, 73% of dropbacks, a route to Cam Akers 4. They don't use Cam Akers in the passing game whatsoever. So even if this is negative game script, it does seem like a situation where if you want to play McCaffrey and Debo, you can run it back with a little 5K Kyron Williams for pass catching upside because there is zero chance K-Makers is out there in any negative game script instead. Yeah, I like that call. Uh, Rich, your thoughts as far as the Rams, if you're going to have a run back for the Rams, how would you power rank them? I don't play 49 running backs against the 49ers. Uh, Fair. I mean, like I, I brought up the stat again last week. We talked about him. 
The only running back that's gone over 100 yards against them from yards or scrimmage the past years is on their team. Yeah. It's Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> uh, and they, again, just totally waxed the Steelers' backfield again last week. I mean, they're just so good. Uh, this is a tough one because Stafford's history against the 49ers at the Rams is pretty bad. Uh, he's, he's, he's played five games against the 49ers since he joined the Rams. He's thrown for just 6.3 yards for pass attempt in those games. Seven touchdowns, the six interceptions. The 49ers have pressured him on 31% of his dropbacks. Under pressure, Stafford's completed just 52% of his passes, five yards for pass attempt. Um, it's, it, you know, Stafford was so good in week one, but I mean, this is a tough spot to like anticipate like a ceiling, right? Like this, this 49ers defense is just so good, man. Like, it, you know, we're largely like defense agnostic uh, and we're looking at matchups and stuff, like when good players play defenses. But like, man, the 49ers are a defense that you just have to respect. Um, it, it's really hard to expect a lot of ceiling, ceiling uh, potential here for the Rams. I think you can get like some cheap run back here. Like I think like Puka can still get receptions, right? I mean, you know, not to, to, to draw a corollary where he is the new Cooper cup, but like cup has had successful games against this defense where McVay has schemed him up. Uh, I think he plays the position that they can kind of get targets to him. We saw even Allen Robinson out of the slot in the second half of that game, like be somewhat functional. Uh, so I think like you still can go back to him. It's not necessarily point chasing. Now you're not going to get 15 targets or 120 yards, but I still think for the price, you can still kind of get there. Um, but he's really kind of it, man. Like it's, it's really hard to, to, to just look at the Rams objectively and say like against this 49ers defense, like they're ceiling potential here for a lot of these guys. We lost Tyler Higby though. Unfortunately, uh, last year we talked about it. Did we have him? That, that's true, too. Last year in seven games without Cup to close the year, 24.5% of the team's targets, but also because he, we looked around, he had no one else to target. And now Tyler Higby's around Puka Nakua, a healthy Tutu Atwell, Van Jefferson healthy as well. And so Higby checked in at an 8% target share. So we can move on. Our life was fun in week one. All right. Is that it? Any more thoughts as far as this game? We're moving on. I believe we're moving on. Yes. We didn't we didn't touch on Christian McCaffrey, which we don't really need oh, to, yeah. but like yeah. I mean McCaffrey's the nuts. Yeah. He's just he's just the nuts. Like they do you remember all- I tweeted this earlier, but like do you remember when he got traded? And like people were like trying to talk uh, yes. themselves out of it. Like the people were trying to like spin it negatively. Like it was be a negative thing for Christian McCaffrey. But when a really good player goes to a really good team, it's probably really good. And, and it was on a really bad team. Yes, and he was on a really bad team. McCaffrey now going back to last year as a touchdown in 10 straight games played. He scored a touchdown in 12 of 15 games since joining the 49ers, at least one touchdown in 12 of 15 games since joining the 49ers. And like I said, before that game like got off the rails last week, Kenneth Walker was running on the Rams. Like We still believe this Rams defense is filled with a bunch of dudes at Aaron Donald. Like I still believe that. Like. What what we saw defensively from the Rams, I'm willing to say, is not going to be like a 17-game truism. And the Niners spent all offseason telling us they're going to do everything they can to rest McCaffrey, to make sure he's healthy all year long. And then, of course, they give him his (laughs) highest touch rate in any game with Elijah Mitchell so far. They just ran him out there. He's like the position in snaps again, snap rate again. He, he, and he played every single third down snap. Elijah Mitchell wasn't even on the field, just five touches. So if that's the case again, like we are in the Cooper Cup argument of 2021, uh, he's too cheap. Like this guy needs to be 10K every week to make a choice. Otherwise you have no choice but to eat whatever ownership into McCaffrey in tournaments and play him every single game. 
And the running back slate's just as bad as, as the wide receivers, if not worse than the wide receiver slate, because Nick Chubb's on Sunday night. Uh, you know, Tony Pollard is in this situation. Like, how many touches is he even going to get? In Jamal the, in Williams. <laughs> I thought I was going to be clever and play him, but we don't have him either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't do that. I mean, are you going to – you can pay for the, the big dog maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's it's rough, man. Running back is running back yeah. is really rough this week. So, like, are you going to get cute and, like you said, Dean, like kind of go to that area to the Kenneth Walkers and the David Montgomery's and see, where, see what you get? Or are you just going to pay all the way up and say, like, hey, man, I'm just going to pay the 9K and take my 20 PPR points and walk away? Well, let me ask you this. Uh, I'll answer your question with a question. You can build one lineup, right? Are you starting it with Amon Ra or CMC? I mean, I want to play both, but I think I'm going to play CMC. I'm going to play CMC first. It's It has to be CMC because Amon Ra still has. And, and again, I'm projecting. I can get 5K receivers, man. And I'm projecting at least eight touchdowns. Like on underdog, for instance, his touchdown over under was four and a half, five and a half to start the season. Like Amon Raw is just going to suffer touchdown regression, but he still needs to hit that ceiling. Like, dude, CMC, he gets it every week. He gets there every single week. Rich just said it. We play CMC. Yeah, against that bad defense, at least 10 bad defenders in a dome as a favorite. Yeah. Um... It's vintage CMC and, and the Rams for everything they did well. They still allowed – 4.7 yards per carry like it's everything ever it's the nuts run out for cmc all right we're going to get to our favorite players position by position as far as teams we've not yet talked about we'll give a couple at each position before that we want to shout out Ticketmaster. more memories are made when you're there for live nfl action and when you need tickets Ticketmaster, they got you covered as the official marketplace of the nfl Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat their interactive seat map gives you 360 degrees previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays and if your plans happen to change Ticketmaster they give you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets plus mobile tickets get, uh, they make getting in on game day a breeze and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL also want to mention if you guys uh, you want to take a, you know want to use the Roto-Grinders tools we, uh, the last day, the last day as far as our initial sale is Thursday night. I'm not sure when you're listening to this podcast. It is Thursday night, the 14th, September 14th. Uh, if you do not currently have an RG sub, you can get a full season subscription, $50 off at a limited time price of $375. Uh, all the articles, all the bells, all the whistles, all the tools, uh, the optimizer, too much stuff to mention, but do want to throw it out there. Thursday night is the last night for the a la carte NFL product as far as the uh, that sale price. Okay. Uh, favorite running backs. Favorite running backs as far as, uh, and I guess we already kind of talked about running backs not being spectacular. No, no. Why am I going running back? We should talk quarterback. That's the kind of the order we, we keep in here. Uh, Rich, your favorite quarterback we've not yet talked about just yet. We're expecting we should get a bounce back from at least one of these guys, Josh Allen, Lamar. I don't know about Fields. Um, but yeah, who are we spending up for? Or are we going to like kind of work on the mid tier when it comes to quarterbacks this week? Who are you feeling best about? Yeah, I think we named the two mid-tier guys already that stand out the most in Goff and Purdy. Uh, so, I mean, you might as well look at some pay-up options here. Uh, I mean, obviously, Josh Allen stands out the the most, right? Like, you know, the, the, you, the three guys that were really bad last week, like, they have, like, a history of being really bad against those teams. Like, Josh, Josh Allen's been really bad now three straight games against the Jets. Uh, but, it, you know, against everyone else, he's been pretty good. Uh, Joe Burrow against the Browns, happened again. You know, Daniel Jones against the Cowboys, yep, happened again. But uh, you look at since his rookie season, 
Uh, Josh Allen as a home favorite of a touchdown or more, which the Raider, uh, Bills are against the Raiders, eight and a half point favorites. He's averaged 23.8 fantasy points per game. Uh, the Raiders also, just in general, are a good matchup. They allowed a league high 51.2 yards per possession last week against the Broncos in the like kind of like they're kind of like showing party. Uh, last year, they were 28th in passing points allowed per attempt. In week one, they were 25th. Uh, a lot of people don't realize like that Raiders Broncos game only had six possessions on each side. Like that game, like mm-hmm. nobody stopped anybody in that game, but it was like so slow and like there was just so much short passing. Like uh, each team only had six possessions. Really wild. I will make one argument for Justin Fields, and it's only if we get it because he, I think, you know, he's more of a tournament play. He's not like a cash game guy. But the Buccaneers blitzed uh, at the second highest rate in the league last week. And dating back to last season, Justin Fields, when blitzed, has a 105.4 quarterback rating, uh, seventh in the NFL. The Packers only blitzed Justin Fields on 15 dropbacks in week one. But on those dropbacks, he was 9 of 11, 96 yards, and a touchdown when they did. It's when teams play coverage and make Justin Fields have to be like a full field passer is when he struggles. When teams do not blitz and play zone coverage over the past two years, Justin Fields is 33rd in passer rating. Uh, he's thrown just three touchdowns on 20, 200, 266 dropbacks in that wow. climate. Three touchdown passes. Um, the Packers did that for 31 dropbacks. He was 15 to 24, five yards uh, per pass attempt with an interception. If Todd Bowles does want to play aggressive like he did against Kirk Cousins, like he's playing kind of into like one of the, the strengths Fields has as a passer. So it does give him one out. I think it makes him an interesting tournament play. He's not so much of a cash game play. Um, but that's kind of it for me. I think you can make a case for Justin Herbert too. Let's see if Dagle makes it. Um, I was actually going to say Anthony Richardson. I know we talked about some mid-tier plays, but again, if you want to spin down, maybe you're struggling to get Amon Ra and Christian McCaffrey. Um, I, th- I think Anthony Richardson is really live. Just to take every single carry inside the five-yard line rather than give it to the running backs. And we mentioned the Texans last week for being – a run sieve and allowing the league's second highest explosive run play rate of 10 yards last year. Uh, that's why we were on top of the Ravens offense last week. And then of course, center Tyler Linderbaum goes out uh, left tackle, all pro Ronnie Stanley goes out. They're forced to keep Isaiah likely to block more over the last three quarters. And they're scheming up Zay flowers for targets underneath. That's probably still the same scheme for Zay flowers, no matter what. But overall, like it just seems like a situation where Anthony Richardson against this Texans run defense, like the game could go well over the total because I don't know who's stopping who. So I think that's another mid-tier option for me. You like the over on 40. I was thinking the same thing, and I was looking at uh, Derek Hardy, Derek Hardy of the Blitz, his projected game plays. Uh, the most plays projected are Minnesota-Philadelphia. That's Thursday night. That's not on the main slate. But Bye. the second most amongst games are being played this week. According to Cardi uh, and the Blitz, it is. Uh, Houston and Indianapolis at 134.9. Jacksonville Casey right behind it for what it's worth. But yeah, I, and Richardson looks spectacular, right? He did what we wanted him to do. And he almost scored two touchdowns if he didn't like get tripped up or uh, was it he got hit uh, with a knee or I can't remember what it was, but he got tackled like around the one or mm-hmm. two yard line. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, that's what you want out of the guy. And it seems like a, at least a chance. It feels a little bit low as far as uh, the total in that game. I'm with you, uh, John. Who's got a take as far as Burrow? Did I hear like a Burrow Lamar take? Uh, both were pretty bad. Rich, Rich wants to talk about Herbert. Okay. Well, no, I was going to say if, if Eckler's out, you know, against this Titans defense, like it's going to be a pass funnel situation. Like it's just going to be a lot of dropbacks for for the Chargers. I I wonder <laughs> if 
it even entails Eckler being out. Like, I wonder if that was just. No, game. it doesn't. It doesn't. Is it yeah. if, if say Eckler's out, like we could spin this into a take like Josh Kelly's bad chalk, right? If Eckler's out. It's going to be like Jamal Williams all over again. Is that the thought? Right. I mean, the Titans that is now, the thought, yeah. this is a multi-year sample where like the Titans, their front seven is good. Their defensive line is really good. And the secondary is just exploitable. And it was the same thing we talked about with Jamal Williams versus Brian Robinson at the same price last week. And it played out exactly like that. Like the, the Saints had their highest drop back rate in a game since week 11 of last year because they just couldn't run the football. Uh, and Derek Carr throws for 300 yards. Everything's working downfield. And I just think we're going to probably a similar run out, you know, here uh, with the with the Chargers. I was trying to find a line for uh, Keenan Allen receptions, but if I'm hearing you, you correctly, you think Keenan Allen's probably going to catch like, you know, eight, nine, 10 passes possibly this week, maybe more. Yeah. I think both, both guys are in play. I mean, uh, not to spoil a, a wide receiver play, but I think big Mike's usage was encouraging. It wasn't a good matchup for big Mike. And I wrote about it in a worksheet that he wasn't going to hit in week one, but they were true on everything. They said the way they were going to use him. He played, he played, the highest rate he's played in the slot for his career. Uh, so like they are going to move him around a lot more this year. So I do think that he's also in play at his price tag. He got knocked out playing in the slot, right? Like somebody yeah, ran he into got, him. He, yeah. he took a hit. Yeah. He left the game for a little bit, but uh, he did come back in the second half, but all right, it's going to be a lot of passes. Man. I am curious though about the Bengals flop lag, you know, yeah. Because the Ravens, the one thing about the Ravens that we didn't get to see kind of exploited, and Daigle talked about their offensive injuries, but they also lost another player in the secondary, Marcus Williams. And they're already down Marlon Humphrey. So, like, Burrow was not good against the Bengals in three games last year. Uh, you know, Mike McDonald did a really good job against him. But, like, they just don't – do they have the bodies to defend, like, on the back end? Like, that's what's going to be interesting. Because uh, the Ravens, man, like, it feels – something's going on, man, in that, 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 that training room. Every year it's going on. They're like the, the new Chargers, man. Like just stars are missing every year with the Ravens. What did the uh, watch the tape people say about Burrow? Like, is he, do we think he was fine in just a bad game or is there something with his leg or we, we don't know? It's still incomplete. Any, any, uh, I mean, listen, man, I, I mean, the, the Browns should get a lot of credit, right? Like the, so the Browns have a really good roster. Like, they, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it was kind of lost the way, you know, Joe Barry and that defense was structured last year. But, like, the Browns have really good defensive personnel, and they just – they bagged the hell out of the, the Bengals, man. I saw – I think it was Seth Werder from ESPN, like, had, like, a, a tweet of, like, perfect cover – they have, like, a perfect coverage rate. And, like, the, yeah. the Browns were, like, number one by far for, like, perfect – like, perfect perfect coverage, like, on the plays. Um, there was nowhere – that's why I said, like, when you look at T. Higgins' targets, go watch T. Higgins' targets, like, there was like those are very loose, loosely called targets. Like like he was bagged. It, right, it was all it was also like just so out of the ordinary for Burrow. Like he he was even blitzed. We've talked about it. Like you literally don't blitz Mahomes, you don't blitz Burrow, and he was blitzed on forty percent of his dropbacks. He averaged one point nine yards per attempt. Uh, for his career, he's averaged over twelve yards per attempt from the blitz. Like that's not Burrow. It just what, something was different. The only the only thing is, as Reeves mentioned, yes, do, is it still the same thing? Is it still slow knocking the rust off, uh, recovering from the calf injury? Like, is all this still entail being slow from week two? That's the big risk taking on that game. But but the Houston wide receivers were productive last week in that game, and that was with a rookie CJ Stroud. Like, so now you get Burrow and like a lot more talent at wide receiver. 
Like, is that Bengal the Ravens secondary gonna hold up? Because I think just looking at last year, what they did against the Bengals is a little tricky because the, they don't have like the bodies aren't there. The same bodies aren't there on the back end. But the thing is about the Ravens is like they're on the front. It, it still is good. Like they're really good against the run still. And they were really good against the run on Sunday. So if they force the Bengals to throw, you know, is there opportunity for there to be, you know, kind of a, a flop lag game with the Bengals? Remember we were in this boat, I think at this time last year with the Ravens, right? Like, didn't they play kind of a meandering game? And then that was the Dolphins game. It was Dolphins. Ravens and everyone is kind of just like, oh, what do we do? And then the game went just absolutely stupid. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was early in the year, it was like week two or three last year. And like, I think Leone won like the Thunderdome with like a two a double. Uh, there is a there's potential at least that exists in the range of outcomes here because the Ravens are still really beat up defensively on the back end, yeah. Uh, and Lamar is due for a bounce back game as well. We're not really sure, obviously, at this point when it comes to Andrews. Uh, do, do, you have a, do you have a read on that as far as Mark Andrews? We expect him to go. I feel like it was close last week, but uh, it felt to me like it was more precautionary given they were 10 point home favorites. Like it was, yeah, it felt, it felt that way to me, but I don't know how true that was. Yeah. Um, and I guess we can talk about the running back situation now or kind of avoid it. Dobbins gone. There's Edwards. There's Hill. Uh, th those are a couple 5K options if you're interested up top as far as the running backs. Barkley, I don't really know much we got from the Giants. That game was over so, so fast uh, at home versus Dallas. Absolute disaster, losing, losing by 40. Uh, they're now in Arizona. Theoretically, that should be a soft spot. Uh, Eckler, we're not sure about. I think it's an ankle, I want to say. Pollard, mm -hmm. tough matchup versus the Jets. Henry, like, just the split in that backfield was shocking. But, you know, for sure, he can hit a homer against the Chargers. Wouldn't shock anyways. And then B. John Robinson in Atlanta. You know, Atlanta does all sorts of nonsense. And, you know, he looked good when they let him play. Then there's Jacobs. He's an old school. He's a throwback. He gets every single target, every single carry. Uh, John, what do you have as far as up top, as far as the big spends when it comes to running backs? I know we touched on CMC. These are some potential competitors. Yeah, Tajay Spears outsnapped Derrick Henry 34 to 30, but the big dog still had 81% of their backfield touches, and that's what we're looking at here. He still earned targets, even though Tajay was out running laps around him in the passing game. Like, he still earned two targets, and of course, he handles it for over 50 receiving yards because that's what he does in the rare instances he get targets. Remember, the reason we were on Raheem Mostert, and the process was right, he still commanded 80% of his own team's backfield touches was because there was nowhere else to go. And in 2022, the Chargers were dead last in yards per attempt allowed to opposing backfields. Um, and so I still want to lean on that here. Like the Titans, <laughs> they were so bad. Ryan Tannehill in week one. I would like to think Dude. he can't be that bad again, Rich. I would he like to threw, think he should have threw six interceptions that game. <laughs> Dude, how does someone go two of 14 under pressure? Like at, for, for seven yards and two picks. Like how does that happen? It, it was so bad, Dean. And like even DeAndre Hopkins had regret in his face in the fourth quarter. He was like, what have I done? Like, why did I come here? Um, I would like to think that is not the offense we're going to see. And I could be wrong. But if they hang around here at the Chargers defense is what they were in 2022, Derrick Henry, especially in this slate, does seem like a good play. Yeah. Uh, Richard, thought as far as uh, running backs up top, we can talk about guys that are 5 or 6K as well. But I'm just curious if like you're – your bet, your favorite big spend on, on a Wednesday night outside of CMC. I do like Derrick Henry too, as kind of like the bring back for that game. 
because we're not going to play any of the Titans pass catchers. Because uh, we, we're not putting any faith in them. Dude, Tannehill looks so – he looked super dusty last week. Like, I don't know how that guy makes it through the whole season. That version, at least, makes it through the season. He's, he's got to be better at least than he was. But he – because he – not only did he – he should have thrown at least two more interceptions – he had Chico Conquo for a yeah. walk-in touchdown that he overthrew. Like he was just, it was bad. sixty yarder. It was, it was rough on it. Yeah, that flea flicker. Um, so I do like Derek Henry because, like, like Daniel said, everyone's gonna look at the snaps, but like, who cares about running back snaps? Yeah, I care about running back touches. And he had eighty-two percent of the backfield touches. Like, that's what I care about. And they're at home, like. So I mean, I I think he's at least a, 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 at least on the board for tournament. We're obviously not playing Derrick Henry in cash. We're gonna play Chris McCaffrey in cash. Um, the only other team. guys I I really can kind of get to are James Cook, but like I don't even feel great about James Cook. Uh, he didn't even play in the two minute offense in week one. Uh, they played Latavius Murray because they just don't trust him in pass protection yet. So that's like a big red flag. Uh, we don't, and we didn't see the Bills goal line carry, so we didn't get any confirmation that like James Cook is like still the guy inside the five. So it still takes a leap of faith, but he is a huge home favorite, right? Like just the spot is good. So and maybe you get a little leverage on Josh Allen, and um, we'll wait and see. We have to wait and see at this point this week. But uh, Aaron Jones had a hamstring, yeah. So we might get AJ Dillon, and I mean it's AJ Dillon. He's but he's he- not cheap, and he's not exciting. Yeah, it's great calves, but besides that, uh, I'll go ahead. Go ahead, Dean. I was, I was, I watched the Monday Night Football game on the phone with a friend, so forgive me if I'm, I'm mistaken. This, but Latavius Murray was he the guy out there in the two minute drill? Yeah, yeah that was because yes. they trust him in pass protection because the, the Bills only had one timeout, so you, you, you can't substitute guys in and out, and they want that wanted a, a guy they could trust. And now, to me, that was like the first thing I saw because we didn't see them get inside the five to judge if he came out of the field. But when he, yeah. he was in in that two minute draw, I was like, shit, man, he doesn't have like the full thing yet. Like, and maybe he gets it over the course of the season. The run out overall was still pretty good for James Cook in a tough matchup. But like, there's two two areas we want to see. So, want we still want to see him play long down and distance uh, in that two minute drill and that hurry up. And then we want to know who's getting the goal line carries. John, you're going to say? Uh, well, I was going to go to the other side of that ball because everyone's trying to give all the touches to Bijan, and maybe that makes sense. But, dude, Tyler Algier is so good. It's not even fair <laughs> that they have both of these guys. Uh, that wasn't blowout. That wasn't negative game script either. Tyler Algier is just that good. Last year, he was top five in rate of eight-man boxes faced and still led the all running backs and yards from scrimmage over his last five games. This past week, he was top five yet again in rate of eight-man boxes faced and exploded as he did for two touchdowns. Uh, Green Bay only faced 22 carries against the Bears last week, but five of them went for 10-plus yards. And we know how Arthur Smith is going to play this game. Plus, with Jordan Love being shaky behind the scenes. like I, I know he led. Like, yeah, he sports- was, man. I wrote about it, too. Dude, he led Sports Center with three touchdowns, but 15 completions, 55.5%. I think he was 21st in completion rate over expected at next gen stats. Like, he was actually bad. It was just that Bears defense that, uh, uh, you know, we'll talk about Mike Evans in a second. It was just that Bears defense that was just so shaky. So I really think Tyler Algier is the one who wins here if Cordero Patterson returns, since we think at least Patterson, if he comes back this week, would be used in the passing game more. And that's where Bijan ran around on 75% of dropbacks. So I, I like Algier. I think the Falcons, man, make this game ugly and just dominate it. 
Dueling Algiers because uh, AJ Dillon is Algiers Jamil Dillon. <laughs> of course. Oh, yeah. there it is. There's the narrative. Uh, yeah, Cordell playing that Joker role. If he comes back, like Ritter's going to throw the ball like six times. Like it's Jesus, gonna be, it's going. What a mess! Dude, he threw uh, the ball fifty percent of the time at or behind the line of scrimmage on Sunday. Like, it's just we got to relegate the Falcons. Like, oh my God. <laughs> so I, I have a I have a non I don't know if it's nonsense player. I'm not sure if it's going to catch the team or not. But uh, I'm interested in Zach Moss. Right. So no Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Jake Funk, for, for, forget about him. Uh, they obviously they lost the, the rookie. I can't remember the guy's name. I forgot it already. I apologize. Evan Hall. A, there you go. Evan Hall. Deion Jackson, again, 13 carries, 14 yards, two lost fumbles. I mean, he was functionable last year. But I think Zach Moss has a, a, a path to be jumping in as the number one for Indy, or at least getting a fair share uh, against Houston at 4-7 on DK. Uh, just looking to, you know, trying to work an angle here. Rich, you guys heard, go ahead. Rich, uh, Zach Moss at 4.7 or Kyle Williams at 5K? Bullet to your gun to the head. Bullet. <laughs> <laughs> Do we not like Zach Moss? No, I it was, was, it was a forearm. He's fine, right? I assume he's fine. Yeah, he I mean, the, the thing with Zach Moss is, is just the Anthony Richardson factor, right? Like, yeah. he had, he had 115 rushing yards against the Texans in week 18 last year. But that was, you know, not with Anthony Richardson. Like Daigle said, he was the guy. You, Shane Steichen knows how to use this style of quarterback, right? Like, he knows where the advantage is. They actually didn't convert a, a QB sneak, which I was blown away by. Uh, the tushy pushy didn't work with the uh, the, the, the Colts for a play. Uh, but he, he, that's just the wild card, right, is this Anthony Richardson. Like, does he get the touchdown? Because Zach Moss is the guy you definitely, if you're going to play him, like, you need the touchdown. Yeah, I'm just trying to make fetch happen with Zach Moss, I suppose. I mean, I can, see, game, I, can I can see the argument to be made, right? Like, you can make the bull case. In the Pierce situation, I don't know if we have time to get into it, but uh, his usage just as you know, obviously snaps don't matter as much, but um, Boone, Mike Boone was getting a bunch of run for some reason. Uh, I, I guess if you, however you felt about Pierce like two weeks ago, you feel less about him now, right, John, I imagine? But he's still it's, pretty. It's got to be a favorable game script for the Texans, and like given their offensive line woes, like man, to, to lose three starting offensive linemen before the season even begins, and now have to deal with this uh, again. They were one of those offenses that were skewed for game script, but in the first half, they stayed within one score. Halftime, it was seven to six. They stayed within the ra- within the Ravens the entire time, and. It was still Damian Pierce with seven touches of Devin Singletary's four and Mike Boone on passing downs. Like it was basically a three headed committee. So it seems like Pierce is the guy who's going to get run out if they're ahead, but will they be ahead in this game? I don't know. All right. Let's talk about receivers. Uh, we are uh, behind on time a little bit. Not that it's an official clock, but we are behind on time. And as I always say, smash Take the over. over. It's always over. smash the over on how long a show is going to run. Uh, Rich, open it up as far as receivers. Go where, wherever you want to go. Go up top, uh, up top, up down low, mid-tier, whatever works for you. Yeah, we, we talked about a bunch of them. I hit on Mike Williams. We talked about a bunch of guys in the games. The only guy I will say that, you know, we usually pick on him when we bring his name up, but I think he's definitely in play with doubles uh, this week is Gabe Davis. Uh, no one ever wants to play, you know, Dusty Gabe, but <laughs> we bring it up all the time, man, since the start of last year. Uh, 0.72 yards per route run at a 13.3 target share against man coverage, but against zone 1.81 yards per route run 18.2% target share 
No, uh, the Raiders played zone coverage 85% of the time. It was sixth highest rate in the league. They were absolutely awful against wide receivers in week one, 77% catch rate, 2.3 PPR points per target, which was 30th to the position. If you're going to at least, I mean, listen, I'm not arguing like you play Stefan Diggs with Josh Allen, but you, you, you go with a double man to throw Gabe in that double. Can I just say, uh, looking at the helmet here, we, this wasn't scripted, but Brandon Marshall, proud of UCF, Latavius Murray, UCF, and Gabe Davis. We don't get these opportunities often. So, so play them all. Just make the UCF stack. I don't know if Brandon Marshall's in the player pool. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure he's not available. But if you can find him, it's, it'll be controlled. I would play him. I would play Brandon Marshall. For sure. Why not? Uh, what do you have, John, as far as, far as some receivers that are uh, catching your eye? Uh, the ugliest thing I'll suggest is whether you play Justin Fields or not. Maybe it entails playing Justin Fields. I don't think they can have a three-yard depth of target again. I don't think that's what this offense yeah. is. Maybe it is. But DJ Moore, we don't expect the team to only command. Uh, they pass their running backs at over 50% of their targets. Like, that's not even sustainable. That's not going to happen, <laughs> even though Roshan is the truth, and he's going to win that backfield long-term. But that's not going to happen. So DJ Moore still led the team in routes run, out there for 92% of Justin Fields' dropbacks, only two targets, 5.5% target share, of course. But if we think this game gets any push, if we're still questioning the Bucks' defense, they're going to blitz Justin Fields' face off. Maybe he gets downfield more. I uh, probably do look to DJ Moore and Mike Evans. Mike Evans, who led the team with a 31% target share. And, yes, that was his only – only a second 30% target share game in the last two years. He only had one game of that status last season. But at the same time, it's still a different target tree from Baker Mayfield. So uh, we saw the breakdowns the Bears allowed last week. Maybe that happens for Evans downfield rather than Chris Godwin underneath too. So that's kind of my ugly skinny stack. Hey, Richard, you're saying top of the show, nothing fun ever happens in the NFL. Uh, where does Mike Evans play? Where, where is he playing week week twelve? Is it still on Tampa? I hope the Lions. Fun? I hope the Lions. Like, there's... is that more fun than KC? Is Lions more fun? I mean, KC would be more fun, but I think the Lions, like the, the Lions, clearly when you watch that game last Thursday, they like just they need another guy besides Amon Ra. Like they they that team is begging for speed. Um, the Bills the also on Monday could be the that Bills guy, too. Like. And, and I know the Bills, like, I just feel like the Bills messed up with the Kincaid thing. And not to say that Kincaid's going to be a bad player, but, like, I feel like structurally when you think about the way Josh Allen plays and the where Josh Allen's strengths are, you want the field to be more open. Like, the Bills need more speed on offense. And, like, I feel like constricting the field with Josh Allen is a, is a net negative for the team. Uh, so I'm real curious to see how this works out big picture with how much 12 personnel they ran. And they, we knew they were going to run a lot of 12 personnel with the Kincaid selection, but – I feel like constricting the field of Josh Allen is like structurally a mistake. All right. Anything else worth noting as far as receivers? We can touch on tight ends. Flowers looks spectacular in his first game. Uh, it looks like he's going to be popular. He got a, a price hike up to 5K. That still looks possible. I played a lot of them last week too, man. I did too. That was one was thing so I cheap. got right. Yeah. The problem uh, was I played him with Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Same. Uh, I paired I paired him with Lamar and and likely. So and we all, yeah, yeah, hundred percent likely to lose all my money on those lineups for sure. But uh, all right, anything else of note? Anything we should point out as far as receivers, or just kind of move on and talk about some tight ends? Uh, it's your call, John. Whatever you want to do. I think it's tight ends. I don't okay. have any other. I mean, uh, did we touch on? I guess Nico Collins as well. Uh, still, it was garbage time. But CD Stroud played better. 
than the box score suggests. Like the duress he was under without the offensive lineman we talked about last week and to still fire it up uh, for Nico Collins, 11 targets, Robert Woods, 10 targets. So Nico Collins at least has the downfield archetype in this game if you think they're playing from behind and think the game goes over. By the way, Rich in the chat, uh, Notum says, wow, the Marvin Jones shade. I don't know what year he's typing that in, but uh, yeah, I guess you kind of were. I mean, you know, he had a good run, Marvin Jones, but it's, it's over, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. it's, it's it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, listen, everyone loves Marv, man. Everyone loves Marv. But I mean, the Lions need something. Maybe Jameis Williams is that guy when he comes back, they're still banking on it. But I mean, they, they, this, because the Lions, like, that division's there for him, right? Like, it's, and the NFC yeah. is open. Like, you got the Cowboys, Niners, and Eagles, like, clearly the, the, the crest mm-hmm. of the NFC. And then below them, it's wide open. All right. Oh, um, I forgot. I forgot to mention, Dean, with Nico Collins, uh, Noah Brown put on injury reserve today, and that shouldn't be significant for any NFL team, but he actually led their team in routes run, their wide receivers in routes run. So we think we get a full helping for Nico rather than the 70% route rate he had last week. Does, like, Tank Dell get more run, or is anybody else? Probably, but Tank Dell also probably gets more popular at 3,200. So we pivot. Is it because the name is Tank, right? And I, I don't know the backstory. I don't follow college, but he's like 160 pounds. What's the reason? Rich, Rich you just seem to know, uh, you know people's uh, initials as far as their middle name. Do you know why Nathaniel, Nathaniel Dell is Nathaniel Tank Dell. I don't know where the nickname comes from, but it's Nathaniel Dell. It's his real name. Yeah. Um, not, not Google the backstory of that just yet. I'm curious. But he's like a little guy, right? Yeah, I mean, he was a guy. He created a lot of separation. He didn't really play in a real offense at Houston, but a guy that gets he gets separation. Obviously, he was a, a favorite in the preseason for a lot of people for DFS. He had that, that real good preseason game to open. Uh, just a real tough archetype of receiver, you know, to bet on. But he he can play. He uh, I don't know if you watched Sunday night. You probably didn't watch all of it because it was such a blowout. D, no, but I did not. <laughs> man, the the Cavante Turpin. Deuce Vaughn packages because they played the same yeah. personnel. Oh. Like that's that's like when two players select Toad and Mario Kart and go at each other. It was incredible. <laughs> it was incredible to see two five five guys just on the same field. So uh Tank, it's short for Tank Head. His mother, Portia, uh, lovingly called him this when he was born because his head was so much bigger than his body. Uh, and the moniker right. stuck during childhood. So there you go. There, that is yeah, the backstory. Man. The more you know, Rainbow. We've been stalling on tight ends, Rich. Give us some tight ends. Who's playable at tight ends? I mean, it, it, no one's. We got to play this guy before he dies, and it's Darren Waller, man. So like <laughs> sneak, sneak, sneakily, like we did get all the Darren Waller usage we were looking for. It's just that game was such a travesty that it, we kind of was lost. Um, but he ran a route on eighty-seven percent of the team dropbacks in the first half, and he also had forty-two percent of the team targets in the first half. Like he was still, we, we still had that usage. And then after the, the halftime, the Giants just got him the hell out of the game. He ran his four routes in the second half smartly, although they kept trotting Daniel Jones out there yeah, uh, in the rain. Um, and then we got the flow chart game. Like it's the Cardinals, right? The, even, even in week one, like the Cardinals are still the Cardinals. Like Washington tight ends had 10 targets in that game. So we got to play Darren Waller before we don't have Darren Waller anymore. I think no one's really going to look at him either. Uh, maybe you get to some Saquon roster ship, but. Uh, yeah, I think Darren Waller looks pretty interesting. The flow chart is still a thing like 10 years later. I don't know. They I'm, I'm, coaches I'm, using it until, I'm using it until it breaks. <laughs> it's like, before we hire you as defensive coordinator. How By the way, how crim- the, the most criminal thing that happened in the NFL last week was Zach Ertz getting 10 targets and getting 21 receiving yards. Like, what are we three, doing? Three total yards after the catch. What, what are, are we, we doing? doing? 
amazing. I was just going to say, it's so funny you say that because I was going to ask. I was saying, hey, John, uh, currently, Wednesday night, Grain of Salt, who is the highest projected tight end as of right now on the main slate? It is Zach Ertz. It can't be. What's, what's his price <laughs> on DraftKings? 3-5, 16%. It's pretty flat, you know, as far but that's, he's the top guy as of a, you just know, play, Wednesday night, just things play, change. Just play Luke Musgrave in tournaments at 3-2. That's easier. That's better. At least he can. Ferguson, 13%. Yeah. Musgra- Musgrave Thomas. doesn't Musgrave doesn't understand his body. That's why he didn't go for a touchdown on that broken coverage because he's still learning who he is as a giant child. But uh, at least he gets open deep. Zachers does not. Yeah, he's play. Uh, but Musgrave's playable again too. I mean, Falcons again good. on the flow chart, and we're there week one but again. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Hayden Hurst got there. Uh, the ugly one is Chigo Conklo. But we had the usage we wanted. I understand he didn't have a catch. He got overthrown. On that touchdown, Ryan Tannehill could be very, very bad now, but he was still out there for 77% of routes. This dude still led all tight ends and yards per route run last year. Um, so if we, he's going to be a full-time player, we're still betting on efficiency. So I think it's a good matchup for Chig, if you dare. Do you guys have like a hot take on a Wednesday night? You probably don't. But if you do, feel free to throw it out there for the people. Otherwise, uh, we will talk about, uh, you know, I happen to win the four-man. Uh, the three of us compete with producer Steve. Uh, which means I assign a movie for uh, for all, all of us to watch, and I'll watch it as well because I like the movie I'm going to assign. I'm not a I'm not a terrible person. I'm not going to assign a movie that none of us not gonna are going to enjoy. So I don't want to name names, but I feel like some of us have done that before. I think we'll some, some have life. cheated the room. <laughs> we're, uh, we're hot, talking about, oh, go ahead. Hot, hot take. Hot take. Uh, I made Captain DJ Shark on Monday night. How about that? How oh. how about that for a hot take? Because he's coming back. And he was close to playing last week. And, dude, that team needs anything. They have nothing on offense. It's just, it's a significantly better spot for the Panthers in their first home game uh, against a, a Saints defense that we know nothing about. Like, we have no idea since Tannehill was so bad. So, I kind of like the run out for Miles Sanders and DJ Chart on Monday night. I don't hate it, but like, do we know why there's two games on Monday? And I think this is happening multiple times this season. And also, do we know why the NFL they're overlapping them? Why are we overlapping these games? We can't have like one Man. at like five thirty and one at nine. It's like, money. Look at the society. What if, if it's money? You get more money if you spread the games out. Who's? It's not exclusivity. It, I, I'm confused. Do you know anybody know as far as how this is a? Why is this happening? Because there, it's like what one's like eight o'clock, one's like nine o'clock as far as the start time. I believe it's. Like, Eastern time, 7.15 and 8.15, yeah. yeah. So not even convenient. It's just weird. Yeah, I don't I don't understand that. And but, like, uh, you know, it, me turning around the waiver wire column on Monday, that's two games. That's four teams. Uh, Rich writing previews for next week, that's four teams you lose. Like, you can't even work ahead on these guys. So Yeah, that's the just, worst part for me. Yeah. It's the Monday night <laughs> team. Especially early in the year where, like, this, like, the, you know, we're, we're working on very limited data. Uh, you know, to, to incorporate uh, losing having four teams play on that Monday is rough. So I selected uh, three movies to consider. One we already threw out because uh, pre-show we discussed that you guys have all seen Prisoners. Uh, I recommend Prisoners to the audience. By the way, we were talking about trying to bring a fifth person in from the chat or maybe from the comment section. I don't really know how to incorporate them if they have an idea. I, I think we gotta them. pick. We we pick like maybe uh. Someone with like has like the best message or like our best uh, chat. I don't know in the chat. Like someone's got to have like a uh, something cool to say. 
Somebody last week, I don't know if you want to say it was cool or not, was very upset at me for saying smash the like button. <laughs> because I guess, like, I'm not, I, I, I'm not the Christopher Columbus of saying smash the like. It's been said in many podcasts, right? Um, uh, so, I, and, I, and I think I said gently caress it. Whatever you want to do, turn the like button on. By all means, go for it. But I guess I was too aggressive and they felt the need to write a comment in the comment section. That person would not be selected to join the five man. <laughs> the person you got to smash that like button. Give us those likes. Yeah, I well, I proposed yeah. I just proposed that we open the tournament and put the link in the chat or something like that and then everyone joins and then they can just tell us oh, in the chat the next show just let it fill yeah and just let it fill and they can tell us in the chat the next show whether even if it's like 100 200 people what they want us to watch and yeah, they you, watch you it with us small we do something like uh like maybe like 25 or 50 people first and see yeah. what we can do. See how fast the, it fills. And then we see what the, we can expand. I believe the live show numbers usually have a couple hundred people watching, you know, in continuity. And so, like, you pop the link in the chat. And that, that'll fill right there for everyone who's actually watching live. And then they get to take part because we think they watch live every week. Yeah, yeah. Most people, I think, watch it on the uh, the replay. I don't know when they catch it. But, uh, uh, yeah, we, we got to figure some some way out to incorporate the people. I'm, I'm all for that. But uh, just to settle tonight, uh, one of two movies uh, before The Devil Knows You're Dead. And, and also, I was kind enough to pick movies that uh, you, on streaming services. I don't know what streaming service you happen to have, but that is available on Hulu and Freebie. Freebie is free for everybody. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. It, there is commercials there. Well, not a lot of commercials, but it's kind of connected to Amazon Prime. Uh, it stars one of my favorite actors of all time, Philip Seymour Hoffman, the best. Uh, I'm, in, I'm in. I've never seen this one. So the Philip, oh. Seymour Hoffman, Philip Seymour Hoffman I haven't seen. Sounds like I, I'm in on this one. How do you feel about Marissa Tomei? She is especially delightful in this movie. I can promise you that. All right. All right. What is it? Like a drama? What is this? It's a crime I drama. I don't, I don't want to give this. too much away. I don't remember. I like movie. crime. I don't I remember more crime. <laughs> I like crime. It's a nice drop. Um, okay. So, I'm. you know, I'm going to save the other movie, ironically enough, is named The Drop. We'll use that for another time, starring uh, James Gandolfini. But yeah, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead is a spectacular movie that somehow kind of sort of lost in history. And uh, yeah, what's yeah, your favorite BSH movie, uh, Rich? Yeah, if you get I off the dome, uh, what do you got? I don't remember this. I mean, uh, my favorite my favorite one? Well, yeah. I'll say my favorite one's definitely not like his best acted one. But uh, uh, what do we think? Uh, Along Came Polly. Well, Boogie oh, Nights, uh, Boogie Nights is fun, but I need to, I like the game. I, I will say, um, we were just watching for the summer because Mission Impossible Seven came out, where we watched all those, and the Mission Impossible Three, where he actually turned the franchise around because Mission Impossible Two is trash. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman rules the Mission Impossible Three. Can I watch that like by itself? Do I have to watch all the Mission yes, Impossible? Yeah. I've seen several, but I haven't seen them all. But he rules uh, in that movie. He absolutely rules. Uh, okay. He rules in Moneyball. Uh, yes. The Master is incredible. Yeah. You've seen The Master? Yes. Um, but uh, I haven't seen Capote. Uh, I'm sure it's fine, but I did not yeah, see it. Yeah, it's a biopic. Yeah. But uh, there's the a movie. Good. <laughs> there you go. Uh, what, what about yourself, John? Are you, are you a PSH guy? Of course. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so it sounds, is- like, it sounds like we have an agreement. That's what we're watching. There's also a movie where he plays like a based on a true story, uh, a gambler in, in in Canada that gets in trouble, gets in debt called Owning Mahoney, a movie that nobody's seen. But that's really, really good as well. And 25th Hour, uh, Spike Lee movie, really, really good. Um, 
God, I can't remember the rest of the cast, but it's spectacular. Tony Saragusa in that in that movie. Yes, he plays a Russian mobster, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, Brian Edward Cox. Uh, good movie, man. Good movie. Yeah, yeah. That's another one of those movies that's kind of lost in history for whatever reason. But there you go. We'll have the people watch that. Uh, put comments in the comment section in the comment we like the most, or maybe we'll just drop the link, or maybe we'll tweet out a link. We'll try to figure it out, and everybody can join and play along and. Maybe we'll get this movie thing. Like, are people still listening? We're an hour and 40 minutes into this podcast. I should have said before. the I assume they done. stay for this part. I'd like to believe it. They don't. But I mean, I mean, this is where we just to hang out, man. And if we uh, if we can find a way to incorporate the people, I would love that, too. And make this, you, it would make this segment better. If you asked Note Um in the chat, he said, I'm full of myself because I think 200 people are watching live. So who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't. I just saw the the final numbers as far as the people that watch this just on YouTube alone, and I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I think it was around four thousand or so. That's the last number I saw. So, uh, I mean, this, this show is this the longest running show outside of the Swolecast on RG or no? Oh man. Or um, I mean, the players have changed, but uh, yeah, probably. I don't know which came first as far as this show, the Swolecast show, but both probably this, been around. I want to like say. I want to say this is my. Eighth year. Does the soul okay. cast still talk about DFS? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know how what, we say what like, is <laughs> all I know, Dean, is when I was in when we were in Nashville for the Super Bowl party together, I saw the bins of t-shirts, and only one of the bin, that's what I'll say, the t-shirts were a pile high. They were to the roof still because no one was taking those t-shirts. Where are the pick six shirts? Is my question. I don't know if Dan Bach is still listening that's to the true. podcast. But you know. <laughs> You guys had a great campaign to make sure we had a party for Super Bowl party. This is the campaign this year is to get pick six uh, shirts out to the people. So well, I think it was the trade off. We didn't get the shirts, and they used that to fund the party. <laughs> we should put a code word by the way. If you're still listening, put a code word and drop it in the chat. The you know the message board on YouTube. What well, what word should people use so they give us like kind of a wink? They're like, yeah, we listen to the end. What do you got? Give me a word, a sentence, something. There's enough people who popped in the chat saying they are watching. They just don't they don't participate in the chat. So that's okay. Too. That's fine. I love it. I you know, love it. Take take your edible and sit on the couch. We appreciate that too. Yeah. I'm man. excited to uh I'm excited to rewatch before that one knows uh you're dead. Again, it's on Hulu and it's on Freebie as well. All right. Uh, I want to hear the, the feedback, especially if you're a PSH uh, PSH fan, you're gonna be into it. It's it's I think it's spectacular, and I'm gonna watch it again. Hopefully it holds up. It's about maybe eight, nine, ten years old. But uh, definitely worth a rewatch. I'm going to fire it up for sure. Rich, uh, tell the people, I'm sure they know, one of the best in the business. Tell them where they can find you, uh, the socials, all the deals. At Lord Reeves on Twitter, sharpfootballanalysis.com. I have written up every game uh, this week already uh, in detail and will be adjusted the rest of the week. So definitely please go check that out uh, because uh, weeks two through four are very hard with no bye weeks and no data. <laughs> How are you gonna find time to watch a movie? It's gonna be my wife just part. kept telling me last night. She's like, "It's okay." She's like, "Kept." She was like, "Come in like periodically, like every thirty to thirty-five minutes, and just like remind me, like it's all right." There you go, <laughs> John. How about yourself? Tell the people where they can find you. Fourfour.com. Use the promo code Week One because we had such a good week in the betting streets. Actually, they've just trickled it down to DFS yeah. and redraft as well. So if you use the promo code Week One. That also gets you a discount on whichever package you want. And the waiver wire is out. If you still are running waiver somehow, 
I feel like I'm one of the few, maybe only in the industry, who the waivers aren't only there for you. You even said, Dean, I mentioned every player. Uh, I try to build it as a matchups column as well by Tuesday, which is why I tell the bosses to calm down because it takes a while to build. Uh, we try to make it as evergreen as possible every single week. So it's there. Use the promo code week one at four for four. That was John Daigle and Rich Rebar. Shout out to producer Steve as well. We do appreciate y'all listening. Good luck in week two. That was, that was the NFL Pick 6 show presented by Rotogrinders. That's it. We're out of here. Holler. <laughs>